0: Welcome church. We're so glad to have you today. This is going to be a very special time, a conversation that we're going to have with some of my dear friends to talk about the issues that all of us are thinking about as Americans today. And so I just pray that you would be blessed through this time of conversation. I'm going to let each one of my friends introduce themselves and then we'll begin a conversation together about race, about racism, about reconciliation, about unity, and about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. My name is Angel Rodriguez.
1: I was thinking, and I was speaking with Pastor Cade. I've known him since about 2003, and I actually had a chance to see him in action in ministry for quite a bit of time. So I want to thank you for inviting me. I want to thank you. Your, Your congregants know your heart. They know that you're a man of prayer. And I just want to bless you for what you're doing today. It takes courage, and you're responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that you would be blessed for that. And I thank you for your heart. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Once again, my name is Angel Rodriguez. I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God. I'm also chairman of the Board of Alabama Teen Challenge and chairman of the Board of Backpack International. It's an evangelistic missionary association. And right now I live in Auburn, Alabama. I also practice law, that's my lay position. So I'm happy to be here. and I just wanna welcome you all as well. Thank you, Pastor Kate.
2: Hello, my name is Faye Benjamin, known mostly in this area as Coach Benjamin, coached at uh, LaGrange High School, my first the beginning of my coaching journey. I uh, left there and I had an, uh, an experience with the Lord that led me to Dallas, Texas, where I studied the Bible for two and a half years. And I uh, learned to pray, learned to see God, and just it was just an amazing adventure. Then I left there and I joined a group called Youth with the Mission, YWAM, and we traveled all over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and somewhere in that time when I was working in a third world country, the Philippines on a garbage dump, it's like I heard God's voice saying, it's time to come back to America, which I did not want to do. But after wrestling with God and understanding that he always wins, I ended up back in Troop County and I ended up as the head coach, girls basketball coach at Troop High School. I was there for approximately 21 years. And after that, I went to Garden Newman, where I retired in 2014. So I'm now a retired teacher and a retired coach. And I'd also like to say to you, this event right here is a dream come true for me. I have prayed this for years, that there would be unity in the leadership in the body of Christ. And today is the first step of that dream coming true for me. So I thank you very much, Kate.
3: Amen. Amen. I'm Kevin Dunn, I've been a resident of LaGrange, Georgia, probably about 20 years. Uh, God has afforded me the privilege to uh, be a volunteer out of West Georgia Hospice to sing to hospice patients and so thankful for that. I uh, have uh, five children and i uh, like to thank Pastor Cade as well. When Pastor Cade first came to town and saw some of the things that he was doing, he was doing, uh, he's definitely an out-of-the-box guy. I refer to him as a trailblazer, as a pioneer, because uh, he's, 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 he's breaking through some ground and uh, he's tilling up some tough ground so that some good seeds can be planted and uh, they can grow in our community and harvest, and not only in our community and throughout the world. So thank you for allowing uh, me to be here today as well.
0: Let's just begin our conversation. Let's go to uh, the recent events in our nation. Um, it really, there's a long line of course, but, but it, what really got it going here in Georgia was Ahmad Arbery and his killing and then uh, just recently George Floyd. Uh, just tell me your response, your, your immediate reaction to what took place and, and what was the Lord saying to you in the midst of, of what took place in our nation and how, how, how should we respond as the Church of Jesus Christ?
1: I think for the most part we've seen that this is something that's been simmering under the surface every several years we seem to have an incident that arises and it gets our focus back on the issue of race but then we forget and so it goes back to being what it is and so one of the things the lord has placed on my heart is the church this is an opportunity for us to lead because we see a void in leadership in our society so why not us why not now if we don't seize this opportunity then we've missed it my first pastor David Wilkinson said, the biggest failure of the modern day church was the failure to address the issue of racism. We need to do that. But we've got to have that honest conversation because we've also placed, one of the things the Lord has really burdened me with for the last several years is we placed labels on ourselves that he didn't place. So for example, a Hispanic church, a Korean church, whatever, those labels are not godly. And as you know, in Revelation 7, 9, those who will stand before the Lord, they come out of the tribulation it's every, to- tri- every tribe, every tongue, every nation. If we can't unify as a church, then how can we expect the world outside of us to do it? And I know it's a tough conversation. And I know that we have preferences. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, our first preference has to be to follow what God's word says. And that's how we end the division. It's got to start here. And
3: that's why I'm so excited to be here with you, because it's starting here today. And I begin to watching some of the events that have taken place recently and throughout the years, you, you begin to really wonder where, where did all this come from? Uh, seeds of racism were planted many, many, many years ago. And the seeds will continue to harvest themselves until we deal with it. Um, and I began to think about my, my dad. My dad, uh, Christian man, grew up in a Christian household, educator, uh, well-respected. Um, my dad's 90 years old. He was born in 1929. He still drives. He, 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 he tutors in mathematics. I mean, just, just really a great guy. And, um, and my dad came up in the 60s. He. he trying to be an educated man and trying to do the right thing he he experienced a lot of racism but here's one thing that i respect him so much out of out of all the pain out of all the suffering that he went through he never told me not one time to hate somebody because the color of their skin he never told me one time to hate anybody because they did him wrong so this generational process of these seeds being planted and cultivated people need to start teaching their children what's right and what's wrong in the beginning and i I know sometimes even going back to my dad again three things he he taught me whenever i'm unplugging a socket never just yank the plug out uh whenever i go to the bathroom and i have to sit down put paper on the seat he also said, don't pull your shoes off without untying them. Those are just some basic things he taught me. I'm 52 that I still, I still know, and I still do, and I don't think about. Racism have, has been taught that same way to people, and a lot of times they don't even know what they're doing because it already has been embedded and imparted in them. But here's where we've come to the, for the rubber meets the road as a Christian, just like sin, I have to tell, ask God, okay, God, just like David said, created me a clean heart, renew the right spirit in me. You have to be honest with yourself and, and accept, not accept, but realize the problems and the sin that you deal with. And you have to ask God to pour these things down. But to make a long story short, we have to stop teaching this. We have to stop teaching this over and over again. And the greatest thing that you can do as a Christian is to love. And if you can't love, I question
2: your Christianity. Amen. Adding to that, uh, this racism journey for me started years ago, probably when I was about 11, 12 years old. I was sent to an all white school during the civil rights movement. And um, I was a little girl, about 11 years old, getting on the school bus, going to this all-white school, all-white bus, and I was the only black. And I'm gonna try to get through this thing without tears. And I get on that school bus day after day, and they wouldn't let me sit down. And you talk about bullying now. Bullying now doesn't outweigh the bullying back then. And I was defenseless. And I couldn't hide. And I went through that day after day, class after class, bush fight after bush ride. And you ever heard of a saying called streams in the desert? There was a one person in my life who was my grandmother. And she knew she knew the Lord. Everybody else around me, the black people were saying, you should hate them. You can't trust white people. White people are from the devil. White people oppress us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when I went into the white world at school every day, what they said appeared to be true. But there was one voice, and it was a quieter voice, but it was a pure voice. And it would say to me every day, Faye, do not lay rail for rail. I was like, what in the world is that? What are you talking about? Don't lay rail for rail. And she said, you know how you go out to the railroad track and you see one rail here and a rail there? I said, well, yeah. And Grandmama would say, for they do evil against you, don't do evil against them. And she always said to me, overcome evil with good. Whatever they do to you, do the opposite to them. And that was my teaching every day. And one of the high points of that time was when Dr. King got killed. He got killed right in that time. And I had to get on the school bus the next morning. Getting on the school bus the next morning was like walking into a frozen hell. Every dart of hate, that could be thrown at an individual was thrown at me. And I had no defenses except to take it. But when I got home that evening, my grandmother said to me, she said, Faye, she says, all white people aren't bad. She said, there are good white people and there are good black people. She said, and there are bad white people and there are bad black people. She said, you just gotta search out the good And she said something to me because my shoulders were so heavy. I remember just collapsing on her lap. She was on the back porch. I was on my knees laying in her lap. And she put her old hand on my shoulders and she said, the people that hate you today will someday come to love you. Mm. I didn't know what that meant. I couldn't grasp it. But at this time in my life, I see the reality of that. And I'm like, Kevin, she never once planted a seed of hate in my heart for the white race. And where Satan was trying to plant it, where his people were trying to plant it, my grandmother was always there digging it up so it wouldn't take root. And she taught me to love white people, even when I didn't know what love white people looked like. And, uh, and I'll stop right there and I'll continue on with the love part of it as we have more conversation.
0: Wow. I've probably known you longer than anybody, Angel, of, of this group. And, and you have a, a beautiful family that God has given you with Oslin and the children. And, and, and what's been your journey as, as a parent of young children and, and trying to instill in them love, the love of Jesus? And, and how have you guys navigated through um, being a multi-ethnic family in the South?
1: Well, it, it's been an interesting ride. But if, if I could digress for one moment, yes. I just wanted to speak to yes. what Kevin and Faye said. Absolutely. And, you know, we're so blessed to have family members, fathers, grandmothers who've taught us lessons. My dad was in the Marine Corps in the 60s, and you triggered that memory that he taught me. And he was a, here's a little skinny Puerto Rican boy from the inner city in Brooklyn, and he meets people from North Carolina, Alabama, different places, and there's a culture shock, right? So if they don't know how to relate to one another, they go through boot camp and they become Marines. But then they go to war and there's still that tension. But then the enemy starts shooting and all of a sudden now they realize that their lives are dependent upon one another in the body of Christ. When we realize that our enemy is out there, not in here, and we close ranks and we fight together and my sister's life is important to me and my brother's life is important to me. And my brother's life is important to me. Things will change. But now we get to that question that you asked. me. Yes. So it's been interesting because my wife is, is from Guyana, South America. So she's mostly has Afro-American features, South American features, a little bit of Indian, but she's clearly Afro. I'm clearly Latino, if you look at me. And my children are a wonderful mosaic. But what's interesting is we've kind of gotten pushback from both sides. And so you add the dynamic of us coming from New York and people are like, all right, you got a hippie lawyer from New York. My wife is, is an educator, but how do you deal with that? So. And I've been praying about this because it's really burdened. My wife has been crying for over a week over these events and people have been really ugly on Facebook. People that have been our friends, she's also a minister with the Assemblies of God. And we were shocked at some of the responses. Don't talk about this. We don't do that down in the South. You're you're from New York, that's not what we do. But my daughter, my five-year-old daughter asked me a question one day and it really pricked my heart last week. She said, Daddy, why do I look different than Josiah, my oldest son? And why does Jonah have a different color than Micah? And I said, because God created you that way, mm. because he formed us in the womb, every one of us, and he made us special. And Genesis 1, 27, as you know, says, he created us male and female in his image. Yes. And so I'm created in the image of God. Faith created in the image of God, Kevin, Cade. And if we look at each other through those lens, then we're going to have a breakthrough. Mm. I'm not mad at my brothers or my sisters. I'm mad at the devil, and mm. it's about time that we stand up as a church and say, you know what, we're taking back the territory because God gave it to us.
2: And that's what I was thinking about all morning this morning. I was thinking about that the whole morning where you you address an angel. Because I see this thing as a mastermind that we can't see. Grandma used to tell us back in the day, there are some people that just throw the rock and hide their hands. And that's what Satan does. He creates this mess and then he hides and we begin to blame each other because we can't see him. But his agenda has always been to divide races. And he knows exactly what strategy to use, what weapons to use, which buttons to push. He knows that by doing the stuff that we see with the mob and that we see with Floyd, he knows what it's gonna create. And his objective is to kill, steal, and destroy racial unity. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus Christ came so we wouldn't destroy it, but that we'll have abundant life. So my thing is, if we join up with Jesus the way the other people join up with the devil and Jesus stands with us, we're gonna have victory. It don't matter how many people side with Satan. It don't matter how many people uh, react with the flesh and go out and destroy stuff, that can happen. But if the church of Jesus Christ will hook arm in arm, male and female, black and white, Hispanic or whatever race if we will join forces and Jesus Christ as our leader, we will overcome this. Yes, now, Jesus say, when will the church begin to do what he finished? Mm-hmm. On the cross, he said, it is finished. He's done his part. When will we begin to do our part and unite, tear down our church walls, tear down our racial walls? Well, see, Jesus already broke these walls down he broke it down in the cross and he said, I'm finished breaking them down. Now don't build them back up. Okay, so when we do that, when we have that realization, like you say, I, this is my brother, this is my brother, this is my brother. Satan is my enemy, not you. Satan has always been my enemy, not you. So we recognize that we are each other's soldier mates, teammates, military uh, troops, and Satan is the enemy and we join forces With that in mind, then I believe we will overcome racism. Racism will have to march and split just like the Red Sea had to split when the children of Israel came. Racism will have to split and let us through.
3: Amen. And back to what the first question you asked And the sad reality about all of this is, and and this is biblical, it's it's found out throughout scripture. uh, Innocent people have to die in order for change to take place. It's kind of like something has to die in order for growth to take place. A lot of people have sacrificed their lives even before Aubrey and Floyd came, but we're at this point where change is happening. We're on the edge. We're on the brink of a breakthrough because so many people are joining in together to walk this race, to stay in this fight, and thinking about something happened to die so we can grow one of the greatest deaths took place two thousand years ago symbolic of jesus he died so we could grow but that's that's just sad to me that a lot of people have to suffer so that things can be better death has to take place so things can be better and that's that's just it happens and it has to happen but that's that's just a a sad part of it for me
0: i want to read a a scripture that the lord put on my heart and it's from ephesians chapter 2 It goes back to what all three of you have said about how Jesus is the answer. Um, It says this in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, by the spirit how have you seen the holy spirit how have you seen the gospel of jesus christ move in such a way in your life to tear down the walls of hostility paul's talking about the terrible hostility at his time and his culture between jew and gentile the church was born into racial strife, and the gospel came to bring peace to that. So I just want to hear from you guys. How how have you seen the gospel? How have you seen the Spirit of God? How have you seen the church? Um, Even mistakes made. Let's talk about how you've seen unity take place, how we might see unity take place. Uh, What is the path forward as we seek to find unity through the cross of Jesus together? I think we need to
1: be intentional. We need to, you know, we'll plan out, many churches will plan out a program. Some pastors will plan out a whole year of sermons. We need to be intentional about what we're gonna do. I know you're having the prayer in the square this Sunday. That's being intentional. You've invited other pastors from other denominations, from the community, that's being intentional. So we have to lead as a church. And so you're setting the standard and that's part of the process. And I think as our congregants, it's easy for us to get up at the pulpit and say, this is what the gospel says, now go and do it. But remember when Jesus criticized the Pharisees, he, say, he said, you say one thing, but do another. But see, you're doing it. So you're setting that example, you're being intentional and you're, you're modeling the behavior for the congregation. And so those that follow you as you follow Christ will follow that example. And I, and I think that that's the way to start.
0: It's like James says, be doers of the word, not yeah. hearers only, we've got to all be doers of what we know the word says. That's the application of the gospel. You're right. Um, amen. Uh, go
2: ahead. One of the greatest, greatest benefits in my life was being a coach. I wouldn't trade that profession for none in the world. I don't care if I didn't get paid much money. God put me over a group of kids to coach in a, in a very, what I would call at that time, unreceptive community. As the first black head coach of Troop High School, I encountered a lot of racism because I was that coach. And I remember one season I had a team of five five, uh, white girls, no, six white girls and six black girls. And I just noticed that I had a team half and half black and white. And I learned through that experience that as a leader, I had to make sure walls of racism did not grow up. In that group that was my job i had to carry myself in such a way and speak in such a way and preach in such a way that all those kids saw was that we were each other's teammates we were a family we won ball games because there were no walls dividing us the white kids loved me and the black kids loved me and i was everybody's mama i was everybody's counselor i was everybody's advocate and i took that same principle over into the church sorry Kate but the pressure is on you. The, 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 the church moving forward is gonna move forward on your command. Can the black people come into your church and feel comfortable, even if they aren't treated great in the congregation, will they be received by you? That's the biggest challenge. What kind of leader are you gonna to be to show your congregation what love in the church of Jesus Christ looks like when it's interracial? That's the leader's responsibility. And if we aren't willing to take what goes with that, then we forfeit our right to be leaders. Wow. And I had to take it as a coach. And they shot bullets at me all kind of, a, in the N word, out loud, calling me the N coach. I mean, all of it. Wow. And God told me one day, said, no matter what happens, don't take it out on the kid. Mm. Their mamas and daddies called me all kind of names. And if, and if I call them in here right now, they'll tell you they did. But God fixed this thing up where he said to me, you walk in peace with me and I will cause them to walk in peace with you. Mm. And so some years later I had several phone calls where parents called back and apologized Mm. because I'd learned to obey God's voice in the middle of the pressure to try to squeeze me out. And, And even on Facebook yesterday when I was doing something like this with another group, one of my kids from back in the day wrote on a little thing on the Facebook comments I read last night and it said, Coach Benjamin still saying the things she said to us 15 years ago. She never played the race card. She made us get along. And so, and so to me, that principle has got to carry over in the church. God showed me something when I was in Bible school. He said to me one day, because I'm a sports person, athletic person. And he said to me one day, sports and athletics in America is doing what I call the church to do. You put a ball team on a court, here comes the people all races, and they get along because of ball playing, because of kids out there on the team. Well, you put the church in place, the right leader, the people should come because you're preaching love. I mean, they'll come just because you are doing the God thing. So my my final question to myself and to the church is, I hear it said, when Jesus come back, will he find faith? And I ask the next question. When Jesus come back, Will he find faith working in love? So that's my final question. Wow.
0: Wow. Kevin, you have God's used your your voice um, to sing and minister to so many people. And and you've been doing something at West Georgia Hospice for how many years? Almost 18. 18 years we we go in and just sing. Share with us what that has taught you about. The universality that all of us will go through the valley of the shadow of death and, and how uh, what's been that experience for you and, and how has that enriched you or, or what has it taught you about um, ministering to all races wow that's a awesome question um
3: it it definitely has taught me that how we're, we're all a part of god's body um some people have to be the fingers some have to be the toes some the elbows it taught me that everybody has something that they can offer to the body of christ and you have to find out what that is yes. and you have to pray about it what, what 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 can i give to the body of christ to bridge gaps what can i give that will bring honor to god what can i give we, we all have something to give just as you were saying, the Lord allowed me through singing to give. But when you're in that walk, when you're ministering to people, I mean, it's, you, you just see people. You just see God's people. And when you can look at it in a way of just seeing God's people, nothing else matters. If you can just focus on God and the gift that he's given you, and see his people. Nothing else matter. I mean, and just, just, just do what we've been called to do. Because I've different religions. Religions have come through hospice. Um, not many, but there are a few who were not welcoming or not accepted. Accepting, but it, it's okay. Um, you still have to show love in spite of. You still have to show love. So it's. It's taught me to, it's been fulfilling that God would, because of his grace and mercy, would use a, a broken down sinner like me to be used in this capacity. And many, many years ago, uh, I, I wanted these dreads many, many years ago. And I'm like, nah, wouldn't be good for what God has called you to do. So, about 10 years ago, and I was at the hospice at the time, and God released me. He said, I have your heart where I need it to be, so it really doesn't matter about your appearance. If we can get our heart right, it's good. It's good. and people can see us the way God wants us to be seen, nothing, nothing else matters. So. I say all that to say it's just been a blessing, a privilege, and an honor. I, I don't take it lightly that, that God loved me so much that He gave me a gift to use for His glory. And color, race, religion, sex, it doesn't matter. It's all about ministering to that need that God has placed me to minister to.
0: Uh, I'd love for any closing kind of words, any, any, anything that, that is, is on your heart that you just feel like you need to say to everyone that's listening, or say to, to even each other, to one another, let's just let's just close this time out with, with any closing thoughts uh, just about any of these subjects, race, unity, healing, a path forward, um, the gospel. Let's just let's just have a closing time of just sharing whatever the Lord brings to our hearts.
1: I was having this thought the other day in my personal devotional. I'm not responsible for somebody else's heart, but I am responsible for my own. Yes. And so if I do what God's word calls me to do and I'm obedient to him, then let the chips fall where they may. Yes. And so if we start reaching out, even, and we, you know, we may be rejected. There are people who, who reject us every day. I mean, it may be in the business world or for whatever reason. And many times it's a bad motivation like racism, but that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be obedient to God and let the chips fall where they may. And so if I think if, as we try to bridge the gap Eventually, I, in, my, in my two pastorates, I've been in somewhat city slash rural situations where it's been predominantly uh, a white congregation, but they love me and I love them and they wanted to reach out. They just needed to find out how to do it. And, how to, and so how do you relate to that? And how do you respond to that? And you know, will, will I be accepted if I extend my hand and if I say I'm sorry, is that something that's going to take place? So we were in Lynette, Kevin and I were talking before, and uh, I was, my wife and I, we walked the neighborhood and just wanted to knock on doors and invite people to come to church. And one woman opened up the door and she said, I've been waiting for years for somebody to come and knock on my door and just invite me to church. Church is across the street. I mean, we've missed it. We've missed it by like a mile wide, but that's okay because we got to move forward. So let's start knocking on those doors and just inviting people to come. Amen. And they may say no the first time, the second time, bake them a cake. You know, if you're like me, you like to eat,
3: they'll, they'll, <laughs>
1: they'll come. Eventually those walls will, will tear down when
3: folks like yourselves keep on doing what God has called you to do. I'll try to make this real quick. And I, I don't know scripture, quote, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, three and five, when it, when it talks about putting down strongholds, Yes. if, if you don't, love if you don't know how to love it's a stronghold you gotta you gotta pull it down you gotta pull it down through prayer if if any type of sin that's present in our life that wreaks havoc and causes us not to be who god wants us to be gotta pull it down it's a stronghold realize it recognize it and pull it down because it's not right it's not pleasing to god and if you don't have love for your fellow fellow brother fellow man it's, it's gonna be a big problem
2: what I'm beginning to realize is that heaven does not discriminate, but neither does hell. Hell does not discriminate, so the church should not. And in all of my tenure of going through and having to deal with racial issues, I have learned that love is the greatest weapon in my arsenal. Forgiveness coming out of love has set me free. There was a time in my life for years, even as a Christian, I could never tell a white person I love them. It couldn't come out. It it wouldn't come through my heart, and it wouldn't come out of my mouth. And even if I did, I couldn't say it. But when I was in Hong Kong with YWAM, they had some type of international conference. And one of the speakers was a black woman. I think she was from America, from Georgia, I think. And I remember that woman getting up in the midst of that international crowd and she had gone through some of the same things I had gone through and she looked at her audience and she said all my white brothers and sisters I want you to know I love you and that came into my heart like an arrow last summer um, there was a group from your church that invited me to talk and we went to a person's house last summer and I gave my testimony on this civil rights movement and my experience in it. And at the end of that talk, the room was so quiet, you could hear a pinfall. And the next words that came out of my mouth was I looked them in the face and I said, I want y'all to know I love you and I was the only black in the room. And as we conclude this discussion, I want to look at Kate. I want to say, I love you, brother. Because I've learned that love is a decision. Jesus would not ask you to do something unless you had the will to decide to do it. And I have decided to love my white brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and go forward. Because in the end, I want Jesus to say to all of us, well done, you've overcome, Enter into my kingdom to all of us. God. God bless you. Amen. How about we
0: close together in prayer? Yes, oh Lord, we thank you so much for bringing together this panel. Lord, I thank you for Angel. Lord, I thank you for Kevin. I thank you for Faye. I thank you for giving them the words to share with all of us that have heard this message. Lord, it's a message of love, it's a message of the heart. It's a message of obedience. It's a message of being intentional and being doers of the Word of God. Lord, it's a message for pastors like me to lead by example. Lord, I pray I pray that the church of Jesus Christ, that you would tear down walls that divide. Lord, I pray that we as your people would love one another and that the world would see the love that we have for each other visibly and that they would be drawn to this Jesus who brings us together as one. God, I pray that you break down the walls, those subtle ways that we're holding on to racism in our lives, systemically in our hearts. God, that you just set us free of those that we confess and repent of those sins. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our military, God, for law enforcement, God. We pray for these families that have lost loved ones, God. We pray for your mercy and grace on our country. But most of all, God, we pray that we would respond, that we would respond as followers of Jesus and that we cannot look at anyone and not love them because Jesus loves us every one. For God so loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, let us live the way of love. For we know Your Word tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. Have mercy, Lord. Lead us forward in faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.